welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. It's fun to be here again. Um, I'm excited to be with you. I one of my favourite things to do is to tell stories and talk about Jesus. So actually, the fact I get to do both, um, and as you guys know, like I Destiny has just played such a huge part in who I am. Like I, I. I after Jesus, probably second best decision I ever made. I think I told you that last time. Like, it has so impacted who I am and what I do and how I do things today. Um, that actually, for me, even though, you know, I know I don't know you guys well, but actually, it's such an honor to actually just get to come back and still kind of pour into you guys and just teach you a bit about what I learned along the way. So, um, so I know you're going to go on outreach this week. So, I, I really just want to tell you a lot of questions. A lot of questions. I like questions, but a lot of stories. Um, so for three years, I interned alongside iDestiny and led all of their outreaches, um, which ended up being quite a lot, um, but loved it. So it's, you know, we are jam-packed with just what Jesus can do. Um, and, I, you know, I'm sure Timo, I don't know if he's told you the whole... You know, testimonies really do just open the door to other people's breakthrough, don't they? And just So like, I just want to tell you stories of when you go, they're in your head thinking, what if... Um, but I'm going to start with something that I'd probably finish with but I want to start with it in case I don't get around to finishing with it of no matter what you see no matter what the testimonies I tell you like for me the biggest testimony and the biggest encouragement I ever got when I led a team was people noticing how well we loved each other every time every single time that would trump every single one of the other things because that's when I know it's real because you are going to have times and when do you go is it next week so you are going to have times that you're fed up with each other that you're questioning yourself that you're questioning Jesus you're wondering why on earth you're there you're wondering why this is happening or that's happening do you know I'm not saying that to speak stuff over you but it can be intense and being together for that amount of time can be intense and actually the way that you learn to work that will sharpen you more than probably a lot of the last four months have. But also, it gives the truest demonstration to the people around you of actually what's real. Because I think we said last time that it is so easy to... Not so easy, but it, to some extent it is. It's so easy to go and love people who are hurting. But how easy is it to do that to the people who are hurting you? Because that's where kind of, you know, rubber hits the road of how real is what I believe. And I think I said to you last time, there's the old, you know, Bonhoeffer says that only the obedient believe. If I'm not actually living out what I say I believe, then I don't probably believe it. So there's something in me that actually is not believing truth. And again, you know, it's not the condemnation point of it, but actually there is stuff in me that actually if I really believe what I believe, and I know we put this on the website, didn't we, a few weeks ago, if we really believed what I believed, I'd live it. Um, and I've just been at our theology residential for the last four days, and again, like, the lady who runs our whole you know theology thing college don't really know what we call it um she's the principal of our college and the first question she always asks is how do you know what you believe (coughs) and like i remember first lesson so a year and a half ago when she asked me that question i was stumped and i'm sort of like day one minute one of this theology you know studied because i'd never studied theology before um and it's proper academic so it's you know these people are just they know jesus they're full of the spirit but they really do know their stuff as well um and it's a great combination but so her first question is how do you know what you believe and i was sat there and i was thinking like 
why am I doing this course? Like, I can't even answer that question. I've got another two years of this. And um, she then just started to unpack it of like, you know, I know what I believe by the way I behave. And it really challenged me. And so this time, she was, she was my lecturer again this year. So, and again, completely different course. And so this time we studied Christology for 16 hours. But again, her very first question was, how do you know what you believe? And again, it comes down to, well, actually, how do you live it out? Because how you're living in all circumstances will tell you what you believe. And actually, people will see how you behave more than what you say. So we can say things, and you know, I'm not saying, you know, you know, we all do it, and there's always, you know, I am going to, I'm perfect in the cross, but actually I am still working that out, and I'm not afraid to say, you know, there is that gap right now. Um, but actually, they are going to know what you believe by who you are before anything you say. Um, and some of that will just play out in just how you look after each other. And so, so you know, Encouragement number one, just really look out for each other next week. Like, learn to love each other well under pressure. Because, do you know, especially those of you with families already, you'll know that actually that's when we need to learn it the most. Of actually, do you know, when it is tough, <laughs> how do we love, you know, the people around us? So, do you know, make sure that you're actually spending time pouring into each other, praying for each other, encouraging each other, prophesying over each other. And again, some of my favourite memories, and it's bizarre because, you know, at the time, you never know what's going to make a memory, do you? Sometimes you do. Sometimes you think, actually, you know, I am going to remember this moment forever. But, you know, like, I... This is the way my brain works. I, I love the fact that you never really know in that moment what's going to stay with you forever. So, like, even as I'm saying this now, one of my favourite memories of um, being on outreach with iDestiny was one of the first devil ones I led to Germany... I think it was my first ever outreach. And like, it's like, I have proper freakouts every time I went to lead one and I'd turn around to Timo and Sharon and stuff like, <gasps> I can't do it, I'm not going to go, why are you asking me to do this? Why do you trust me so much? You're just like, you're ridiculous. And they'd say, Linda, we believe in you, off you go. And it works and it would be phenomenal. And then, you know, they'd be asking me questions of like, what do you think is the worst that's going to happen? Like, you're not going to come back with a student or like... And, do you know, there was no logical or rationalness behind my fear. But, do you know, sometimes actually what you're meant to be doing sometimes is where you actually have to step over fear the most. Um, so anyway, so that's a side note. First ever trip to Germany. And we'd had a phenomenal time, but it was super busy. We went to three different towns or cities. I can't... Anyway, we travelled a lot. And our timetable... Um, it was up in the north, so we started in... Um, we were in Hanover, Piner, and up in there's a tiny little airport outside of Bremen but I can't remember where it was but yeah I were you based out there I lived in Bremen for a while for six months yeah um so anyway so we'd had this really busy week and the final weekend we ended up staying (laughs) with this couple um I don't even know how we got in touch with them but we stayed with this couple and it felt like we were locked in their house for two and a half days and they had cats and I hate cats um (laughs) And they like there were like these funny Siamese cats, and they meh meh at you all the time. And they anyway, <laughs> and so they kind of it felt like we were in this house, and it was basically they just planned minute after minute after minute after minute for the entire two and a half days. We weren't like we didn't leave the house, and like they had this super loud doorbell, 
And so every time the doorbell went, we knew more people were coming in. So between sessions, so we had some sessions arranged, and they were phenomenal. Like we did this youth session and just saw just the Holy Spirit impacting these youth just crazily. And we'd seen, you know, healings and all this prophecy and stuff, but like we were tired. And so between sessions, what they hadn't told us, so they told us the timetable, they hadn't told us between sessions, they were just inviting people in, in slots to come and get prayed and prophesied over. So, like, we were literally non-stop for two and a half days. And it got to the end of it, and it was like the doorbell would go, and I, and it was so loud, and it ended up sounding like a torture kind of treatment because you just knew, oh, no. And so you'd see, like, the eyes of the guys on my team, and I'd be just sort of like, I'm sorry, guys, but, you know, let's just do it again. Like, <laughs> you know, knowing they're tired, but actually, let's just love, let's just love. And... um. I remember one of the last ones that came in was this man and he just looked so angry and he sat down there he was sort of like I'm here for prophecy and um, we were just sort of okay do you want to tell us anything about yourself and he was just so angry he said nope you do your best and it was just like just really challenging you saying I don't believe in this I don't believe in you I'm so hurt I don't believe your God can do anything about it I'm not going to tell you a word about who I am prophesy <laughs> we were just off like oh dear jesus like what do we do with this and anyway i can't remember the out do you know i can't actually remember other than i know it was hugely impacting on him and him and his wife and there's just do you know there was a lot of tears and a lot of healing and just just really sweetness but my favorite bit was after that we all eventually were allowed to go to bed and we went and sat in one of our one of the rooms upstairs just together and for do you know there were so many of us we were sat on the floor in this bedroom just talking about the testimonies of the weeks and then what they decided to do was just go round each other and pick out like this is what I've loved seeing in you this week like I've seen this side of you as you've stepped out and done Jesus stuff and like they honestly it was it was late when we went and they spent hours because I think there were eight of us on the team they spent hours just really saying like actually this is who I've seen you are this week and this is what I've loved in you this is what I've honoured in you and out of all of the outreaches I've done that is one of my absolute favourite moments and it was nothing to do with anybody else other than us doing life together and doing it well Um, so that's a really long way to just say do you know like look out for those bits next week like love each other well on purpose sometimes because you might have to choose to at times um, but I promise you'll get a lot from it um, so I was thinking on the way here of just some stories so I've jotted some down because there are so many um, and if I've told you any of these before just tell me and I'll move on to another one because there are enough to share that you don't have to hear things twice um, did I tell you about the man in Spain who cooked his dinner Okay, so um, a couple of years ago we went to Spain on outreach and I only went for the first couple of days um, because I was just going to come and set it up and then (coughs) lead the team to it and then come home. So we arrived in Spain. We arrived quite late and um, we were staying in the church. It's actually probably really close to where you're going. Um, So we arrived in this church hall where we were sleeping and they'd said, oh, we've cooked you dinner because, you know, it was fairly late. So they said, come up and eat some dinner. So sent all the team up to go and eat their dinner, came back down we went to sleep (laughs) um and so on the sunday morning this lady came up to me and she was in tears like bawling (laughs) 
And she was sort of like, I just want to say thank you so much for um, what you've done in my husband's life. And I was just sort of like, um, I'm really sorry, you're going to have to back up. I don't know who you are. <laughs> and I really don't know who your husband is. And she said, well, I come to this church, but my husband doesn't. My husband's not a believer. He's, you know, very actually anti-church, but he loves to cook. And so he volunteered to cook for your team on the Friday night when you arrived. So he, he cooked your team dinner. And he said, and she said, I don't know what you said to him, but thank you. And so she was just, honestly, she was in tears and she said, I can't tell you. I, and she, she went on to explain from the minute they got on the bus home, she said, my husband's been a different man. And she said, our marriage was in such struggle, like he was just always, we were always at odds with each other and always at odds with the kids. And she was just talking about, you know, our marriage has transformed in two days and I can't thank you enough. And um, so I went to my team and, you know, praise Jesus, blah, 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 to her. Went back and I was just sort of like, guys, you know, did any of you talk to him on Friday? Because I knew I'd sent them up to say thank you. And um, not one of them had actually said more than thank you. And he's like, <laughs> that's, the, that's my kind of Jesus and my kind of testimony of actually, you never know how simple it is to make somebody feel loved and valued and noticed and actually just bringing the presence of Jesus into their presence shifts things to a level that you cannot comprehend. Wow. And so like, actually, my absolute favourite testimonies from outreach are when it's nothing to do with me. Because it's, you know, and it, do you know, there's, there's just absolutely no way that was anything to do with us. Um, and there are so many stories like it, so I'm actually probably going to tell you very similar stories from just lots of different countries. So, like, there was another time we went to Scotland, and we did this um, weekend in Perth with this church. And um, on the one of the mornings, they wanted us to do street stuff with them. So we went out on the streets, but they'd kind of planned what they wanted their half to look like. So we were going to do it together. So we were going out... And they wanted to kind of know a bit about, you know, treasure hunting, praying for the sick, that kind of stuff on the streets. But at the same time, they wanted to hand out tracks and stuff, which just isn't my thing. I'm just not very good at that kind of thing. And so we got there in the morning, and it just, the whole thing felt awkward. Like, do you know when you just, you don't know why you're there, you're not really sure what you're doing. And, do you know, there was good stuff happening, but it was just like, Jesus, I not really sure what we're doing or why and anyway so we kind of did this and there was this guy on the team with us from this church that was just phenomenal and he'd go and hand over these flyers but then start talking to them like find out life stories be praying for people and it was like phenomenal watching him and I was sort of like why on earth have they even invited us like this man in their church is phenomenal like he's doing you know he's Jesus on the streets right now so we got back and we're having lunch with him or, or dinner. A lot of our outreaches revolve around food. Um, so I remember, and I purposely went and sat with this guy, and I was just sort of like, you know what? Just I love the way you are with people. Like you love so well, you connect so well with them. And um, he turned around and he was just sort of like, yeah, I can't thank you enough. And I'm just sort of like, again, <laughs> like I'm not really talk- sure what you're talking about. And he said, I've never done it before. And I've never thought I could talk to people like I am. Um, I just, it's not something I've ever done. I've never thought I could do it. I'm, I'm actually kind of really awkward with people. Blah, 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 blah. Tells me his whole story. So th- just thank you so, so much. <laughs> and I was just sort of like, again, it's like nothing to do with me. 
Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Other than believing in him. Of actually just, there's something about just coming alongside people, even if it's unsaid of just, okay, well, if I believe in them, then they must be able to believe in themselves. And so, again, it was just like the craziest, um, craziest stuff. Um, did I tell you about the woman who smiled in Germany? So, um, this is a different German out. No, 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 it's a fun story, though. I don't want to give too much of the story away in my question. So, um, this was in the south of Germany, somewhere... They don't smile there. So. They don't. Well, this... this <laughs> so we went and did this... Um, I went with Timo and Alan, actually, to do a weekend. And um, one of the things, again, that people wanted to do... And it's hilarious, because I actually still get petrified going out on the streets. Like, if you ask me to do that kind of stuff, treasure hunting, all that kind of stuff, absolutely petrifies me, yet I kind of end up going around teaching it and leading people to do it. And it's like, it doesn't make sense in my head. Like... I can't tell you I even enjoy it at the time. But um, so we'd gone and we'd done this teaching with this group of kind of people, church leaders, um, and then we were going to go out onto the streets to practice it. And so we got there, we got to where we were going, and this lady came up to me. She said, oh, I've driven like a couple of hours to be here today just for this. And I was just sort of like, oh, no. <laughs> like the expectation levels. Um, and so she said, so I really want to partner up with you. <laughs> And so, like, just everything in me was thinking, like, I just don't even want to be here, like... Like, anyway, so we're walking down the street, and I'm just like, okay... And so I just start talking to her, and it turns out that actually she really feels really condemned every time she goes out that she's never done enough. And it was really sweet just talking to her and just... Do you know, I was talking about just actually knowing Jesus' smile over her, of actually, it doesn't matter what we do by the end of the day, actually, if she knows she's accepted... It doesn't matter what results she sees. Actually, her being her is enough on the streets. But that morphed into me talking about sometimes all you're called to do is smile at people. And so there must have been Jesusness in this conversation in hindsight. But at the time, I felt like I was saying this because I actually didn't want to go and talk to people. Like, just really honest. Like, just feeling like I actually don't want to go and do this but I'm leading it in a different country and I'm meant to be. So, you know, sitting in ourselves, sometimes we just need to go and smile at someone. And so we kind of just walked around a bit and we went and bought some coffee for um, a lady who was homeless and or no, it was at least begging. And so I went and was doing that and all of a sudden she rushed off and said, I'll be on the bench over there. So she rushes off to this bench and um, sits down next to this African lady who's come, she's from Sierra Leone. And so she sits next to this African lady who's on the phone and speaking a different language and just smiles at her. Now, the other side of this story comes into play. This lady has lived in this little village, it was a tiny little place in Germany, for about, I can't remember, it was like it was coming up for a year or so. And she's been in this place and her husband works and she doesn't have a job, but she's very well educated, um, but doesn't know anybody. And, you know, in some of the villages, they're not really used to having Africans in there. So, like... People are not making friends with her. And so she's been in this place for almost a year. And she's on the phone to her sister at the time saying, I just don't think I can do it anymore. I think I need to give up and come home. Nobody's ever even smiled at me or said hello. And at the time she's saying this to her sister, on the phone to her sister who's still in Sierra Leone, this lady (laughs) comes and sits next to her and just grins at her. (laughs) So much so that the woman has to put the phone down and say, like, hi, like, what? 
what is it? And she was just sort of like, no, I actually just wanted to come up and say hi and blah, 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 blah. And they get talking and actually you find out she kind of knows Jesus as well. And do you know, I, I have no idea where that went. Absolutely no idea whether they kept in touch or whether that meant she stayed. But do you know, again, like how simple can it be if we let it? Um, yeah, absolutely, it does, doesn't it? And so, like, we let our own fears come in the way of... <clears throat> do you know, we assume what people's reactions are going to be and so we don't do it. And we make excuses. And I know Timo always used to teach us of so much of it, we think it's British politeness, but it's outright fear. Of, like, do you know, we might think it's inconvenient or rude to go and ask somebody who's, do you know in a wheelchair or do you know just as an excuse in a wheelchair can I pray for you because actually oh, I might offend them it might upset them the only reason I'm saying that is because I think it won't happen actually again if I really believed what I say I believe that wouldn't get in the way and it shows me that I actually don't believe it as much as I say I do um let me tell you some more. So there's another similar story. It's not similar at all, but it kind of is. <laughs> it's similar in the fact that I had no idea what was going on. So we arrived in France for an outreach, and it was New Year's Eve. So we did this New Year's Eve honouring party. So we arrived and we landed at about like, uh, 8, 9 o'clock, got home, got changed, and it was a big fancy, like, you had to get dressed up for it. And this church were doing it, and they just really wanted to honour the people in their church, so they had this really nice sit-down dinner. Um, and then before we'd left, we'd written out everybody was attending, like a prophecy card that was going to get handed out on the day. And then we had this prophecy booth where everybody could come in and get prophesied over, over the space of, like, New Year. So, like, from 10pm till 2am, we were just prophesying over people. And actually, it's one of the most beautiful New Year's Eves I've ever had, of just speaking life and telling them, what Jesus thinks of them like as they're going into the new year um but one of the people who came in was this man called Johan who spoke no English I speak no French so it was like everything was done through a translator do you know you could see he didn't look too happy but do you know knew nothing of his story he came in we spoke over him he left he was just one of the probably 40 people that night that we got to pray over and um he came to kind of some of the sessions throughout the week um and you could see Jesus doing stuff, but, you know, had no idea what was actually going on. And um, we heard, we knew of his sister who was in Toronto at the time who'd said, oh, it's actually, it's really making an impact on my brother, thanks. So, you know, again, no idea what that actually meant. So <coughs> fast forward a year and a half. I went back to that church with Angie and Sharon and um, Anne Bose. And... Um, He's there. So this man, Johan, he comes up to me and he said, um, and he, get, he gets this translator and he said, I, I need to tell you a story. So I agree. And he said, um, when I met you, I was severely depressed. I was suicidal. I was having panatex. My wife had left me and I wasn't allowed to see my kids. But the night that you and your team prophesied over me, I feel my life started that day when I heard who actually I am. And I now count my life as starting from that day. And from then, my panic attacks have stopped. I've stopped, like, the depression's gone. I've got a job. And by the way, that lady over there with those two little boys are mine. And you just think, again, 
No idea. Do you know, I have no idea what we said to him. Any of it. But one touch from him actually can do that much. And, you know, it's not often that you actually get to hear some of those stories or, you know, you don't always get to know what's happened. And so you wonder of all of the different people that you've prophesied over and like, where's that led to? And actually, even as I'm saying it, like, fun story of we, we went a couple of times down to Momentum, which is a big, like, youth conference <coughs> within our Destiny stand. And I think, in theory, the idea was to recruit people, but we were rubbish at that. Like, it's just not who we are. So <laughs> when you fill in the form, it's like, what are you going to be giving away at your on your stand and you have to list everything or otherwise you're not allowed to do it so I just filled in like we're going to be giving away prayer and prophecy and healing and I put it on (laughs) this form so that we could be allowed to do it so we would just pray for people and like we um we saw the most amazing like healings and testimonies like just in this barn in the middle of like this conference and um but the second year that they went they would be they were prophesying over loads of people so much so that they would have like queues of 20 30 people just waiting to come and get a word and it's like i love that like i don't think anybody ever joined i destiny because of it or even remotely was interested in it <laughs> they might have looked at the website or listened to the podcast but it was like do you know but it wasn't the purpose but we didn't know anything about where that had gone again fast forward two two plus years i'm sat in jordan in this tiny little village and um I needed a guy on my team, so Iris Ministries found a guy and said, like, he'll come to you for three months, he's got some time. I didn't know him, so this boy turns up called Nathan from south of England somewhere. And um, so he turns up and we're talking a while and I was telling him a bit of my story and I mentioned I Destiny. He was sort of like, oh, how do you know I Destiny? And I was sort of like, no, 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 back up a bit here. How do you know I Destiny? Like, <laughs> it's been my life yeah, for the last three years. So he was like, do you know, tell me, how do you know? And he said, oh... Um, a couple of years ago, me and my youth group went to Momentum, and actually, um, we we knew that they were praying and prophesying over people. And we stood on the balcony and we kind of laughed at it for a while and we mocked it, didn't believe it. But actually, we really thought we should go down and get prayed for. So eventually, we did, and um, it's it so changed him that actually the reason he was sat in Jordan is because he changed the route his life was taken because of the prophecy at Momentum. And like he was, my whole youth group have all made choices based on what they felt God had told them at that day and it's like you know, and I love the fact that Jesus sometimes gives us those glimpses of the fruit that we've got no idea what it is and so part of that is just an encouragement of actually it doesn't matter actually if you don't see any fruit next week because you've just got no idea actually what every single in like contact with somebody is having um, it's just I love it um Another one that I really liked in France. Actually, there were two really cool ones. No, I'm just going to tell you one. Um, <laughs> um, we went to visit this couple. So we were, again, really busy. And somebody phoned up and they were saying, look, there's this couple and their daughter is just desperately sick. Will you go and pray for her? I know you're busy, but like, can somebody just go and visit this couple? So me and Anne went, because Anne came on out each with us. Um... And so we went to go and visit this couple, and we were sat there for a while. And this kid was, like, four years old, but had a septic womb. Like, so, like, really infected, like, womb. But he's, like, four. Like, how on earth does that even 
happen anyway so but they had this kid and she was just really really sick and she would sleep all the time and she would just whimper in pain all the time she'd never be away from mum and dad and it was just it was horrible um and they were saying so like will you go and pray for her so we went and we spent some time and we just sat and we drank some tea with him for a bit and then we prayed with a little girl in just a really simple way that she could understand and um then started just talking to the to the to the couple and it turned out like they were just having really intense problems in their marriage and just had been for a while and just all sorts of shame and guilt and just (coughs) stuff that was left unsaid and just this absolute pain in the both of them um Again, it's one of these strange situations of like they'd known me 10 minutes but decided to start saying all of this and so they just start talking through it and we just started talking to them about you know would you be willing to just forgive like are you willing to just let it go and um so they both sat and we ended up like basically doing this little marriage counseling session with them and just kind of a bit even sozo-y with them of just you know <coughs> where's the hurt coming from like are you willing to give it away you're willing to kind of do you know all this just stuff with them and again like at the time you don't have a clue you think you don't know what you're doing but we just got them to pray through forgiveness with them. And um, and then they'd noticed that the little girl had gone off and taken herself to bed. And like the mum just starts crying. She says, you know, she's not been peaceful enough to sleep by herself for weeks. And like, so they was just saying like something is happening. And so there was something in their reconciliation, I think, more than any of the prayers, that actually completely healed their daughter. How that works, I have no idea. But, like, they phoned a couple of days later and they were sort of like, she's just like, there's nothing wrong. <laughs> and it's like, again, you know, I have no idea how that works, why that works, why actually just praying for the daughter wouldn't have worked. But there was something in just sitting with them, listening to stories and actually being able to just say, actually, I value you enough to listen, let's bring Jesus into it. Or what's it going to look like that, you know, brought restoration to their family? Um, what other stories should I tell you? So one time we went to, a different time we went to Germany, um, we were teaching treasure hunting. So we went to this church and we were going to teach them how to treasure hunt. And um, they'd never really heard of it, and so they were a bit sceptical. But, like, this old man came up, and he was called Johan as well. So this guy called Johan arrives, but and he's in his 70s. Like, he's this old guy, and he is the church evangelist. And he was sort of like, you know, I am the church evangelist and um, I'm here to learn. And I was just sort of like, do you know what? How humble a man to actually, at the age of 70, because this was a while back now. So, I mean, I'm in my mid-20s at the time. And he's sitting there and says, like, I'm here to learn. Teach us. And so we told him the idea of, like, this is what we're going to do. And then we're going to go out into the streets and we're going to see if we can find our treasure. So um, he closes his eyes and was sort of like, okay. I'm going to find Klaus. He's got black trousers on and a red jacket. He's got family problems. He'll be by the church. And so, you know, (laughs) full of faith that I am, I'm just sort of like, "Mm, it might not all be the same person. Like, it might be separate clues for different... Let's just go and see what happens. (laughs) Because... Yeah. Anyway, so we go out and... um, (coughs) We're expecting a test today. Yes. Oh, nice. A bit early. It's a minute early. Oh, that's fine. Um, so we head out into the town and we get towards where the old church is and Johan just disappears like don't know where Johan's gone um, so he comes back after a while and he comes up to me and says I found Klaus and I was just sort of like um, <laughs> tell me tell me some more and he said um, 
Yeah, I um, I went over to the old church where I thought I'd see him, and there was a man there in his black trousers and his red jacket. So I went up and said, um, "Excuse me, are you Klaus?" <laughs> Just sort of like, and this man said yes, and he said, "Well, you know, I was praying, and I really felt like." I was meant to come and meet you today and I think you've got some family problems and I'd like to pray with you today. I want you to know that he knows and I want to pray with you today. So this man and his wife, there's lots of tears involved it seems when we do outreach, this man and his wife just start crying because this was a couple of days after Christmas. We we went just after Christmas and um, he starts crying. He said, um, our son died a couple of days before Christmas and this is the first time we've left the house since he had. And like, so the first time he'd left the house since leaving and somebody comes up to him and says like, Jesus knows and you know just got to pray with him and again like I have no idea where that went I've got no idea more than just that moment but actually at that time that moment was probably more than enough and it just takes somebody to have the guts to listen and act on it more than I was willing to do you know I you know because I just loved his faith in it Um, and you know I love those I love the I love the physical healings and I'll tell you some of those stories um, but you know, I love those ones that actually touch the heart. Um, so, like one of the physical ones that weekend, we did um, a healing meeting that one of the nights, and um, there were loads of loads of healings going on. But one of my favourites was we prayed for this woman and again because it's nothing to do with me. Prayed for this woman who had like um, a bad something to do with an elbow or something like I don't know. Um, prayed for her she kind of said yep feels a bit better left and um and it was really busy so you couldn't really kind of talk much she came back the next morning and um she said when you prayed for me i felt my womb move sort of like okay (laughs) and she said and this morning i woke up and i wasn't bleeding for the first time in five years (laughs) just like i was playing for your elbow (laughs) and it's like do you know he's just so much bigger isn't he and they're like actually another crazy one on the same the same night actually we had somebody who was praying for um somebody else for healing and i can't even remember what they're praying for i think it was kind of depression kind of some type of mental illness struggles and um one of the guys on our team for some reason kept calling this woman olga even though it wasn't her name and eventually she turned around she stopped him she said um Sorry, I don't think you realise just quite what you're saying. I um, and I think I can't remember the full story, but it was something like it was either her birth name or her, and she was part of this satanic cult. It was either her birth name or her satanic name, and he just kept speaking. Oh no, she changed it when she joined this satanic thing, I think. And he kept calling her her birth name, and like had no idea that he was even saying the wrong name at the time. Like he was just praying. And kept saying the wrong name, and actually, it was that that led to her breakthrough. Just actually, this is who I've called you to be, not what you've transformed into. Um, just such cool stories. Um, let me tell you some st- healing stories. Um, Ireland was fun when I mean, we saw a lot of healing on the streets of Ireland. Um, outside the city hall in Belfast, kids just go and drink. Like, there's a couple of benches outside, and it's just always full of teenagers just sat out there drinking just horrible like they're alcoholics by the time they're 13 14 so um there's a couple of kind of ministries that go and sit with them and serve them hot chocolate so we just came alongside like i love just coming alongside people who are already doing something and just serving their vision so we went and we were just giving away the hot chocolate and but at the same time we'd seen a lot of healings already and the guys on our team especially on that trip were just we're just absolutely going after seeing healing and um so this guy came up with a broken collarbone and he'd literally Mm. come from the hospital to us 
with a broken collarbone and in intense pain. And so um, Ben, it was Ben Hughes who was on the school at that point. So Ben was one of my students and he was praying for him. And um, this man's collarbone just gets instantly healed. Like so much so, he takes the sling off and gives it to us and says, there you go. And we joked about, you know, I want to collect trophies of healing. Of like, Can you imagine if you've got like like walls in a church that you've got all the sticks and the wheelchairs and just do you know stuff hung to that actually when you walk in you think actually that's who jesus is so we dream about stuff like that and actually you know he gave us his sling so he took it off and he was waving it around and we had a camera with us on that trip like we, it was one of the first ones that we'd taken a video camera to actually intentionally video what was going on and um and so, like, we had him, like, telling the testimony on, on video. And then he's, he went over and was telling his friend. And so his friend was sat on this bench. He's probably about 18, 19. And his elbow was frozen shut. He'd had a skateboard accident like, a couple of years before, and it hadn't healed properly. So he'd never been able to straighten his arm since. And, um, but he'd seen this friend get healed, and he was just sort of like, I just, no, don't want you to pray for me. I'm sort of like, we're not going to force you. Like, it's there if you want it, but if you don't. Anyway, chatting to him for a bit, just sat talking to him and his girlfriend. And eventually, he just puts his arm out and says, go and then, do your best. What are your worst kind of thing? And, like, do you know when you know, you just think, <laughs> this is going to be fun. And so, like, you know, pray for him. Within a second, his arm just completely opens up. And he starts swearing. <laughs> and you're just sort of like, that's an interesting reaction. And he just turns around and he says, well, I don't believe in God. And now, you know, you've made me, you know, I now can't say I don't believe and it was just like like we just completely in that one moment of him encountering Jesus undermined everything that he thought was true and so we spent a bit of time with him and prayed from his girlfriend that she you know decided to give her life to Jesus whatever that looks like in the context now but you know had decided actually if that's real I really want to know him so like she'd made a decision of actually I really want to know him and that was another one of those fun stories of about a, I don't know if it was a year plus later, Ben Hughes happened to be back in Belfast, happened to bump into the two of them, who were still together, his arm was still healed, like, <laughs> just like, very cool. Um, same outreach, actually, we had um, a young guy who'd been helping us throughout the week and just part of the church, um, really enjoyed just coming alongside and um, his family were all con- registered partially blind and he had like the thickest glasses you've ever seen and it's like and he was really sad that his glasses and his vision was considered so bad that he wasn't allowed to drive like he'd never be allowed to drive and he was 17 so he was that was his biggest thing of just I really want to drive and I can't and um so we prayed for him a few times throughout the week and you know on the last day we really prayed for him again he was just sort of like you know what I I I know I haven't seen it happen but I just I believe he was sort of like you know, great, we're going to have to say goodbye, but, you know, I believe him. And so about probably three weeks later, I got an email from him, or like a Facebook message from him, saying um, from the time we left, he had really intense <coughs> headaches, and he'd been, like, really sick with all these headaches, and, like, all this stuff going on, the doctors couldn't quite figure it out, and eventually they sent him to the optician, who um, tested his eyes, and then actually was sort of like, the reason he was having the headaches is because his eyes had has improved so much that the glasses were giving him <laughs> headaches. So they had to reduce his prescription on his glasses. So he wasn't completely healed, but they had to reduce his glasses to actually then suit his new vision, and it actually brought him below the thing of being allowed to drive. Oh. And he's like, do you know, why doesn't Jesus fully heal everybody? I don't know. Why was it only that? 
but actually his thing was, I want to drive, and actually he, from then he, he was allowed to reply. Um, and I love that, because it was, you know... But then sometimes people don't have any faith. I, I love the comparison between those two. Sometimes people are full of faith for it. Sometimes don't believe it's going to happen in the slightest. But maybe they do, because otherwise they wouldn't let you pray. Mm. Um, I think there's a hope there, isn't there? Yeah. Like the, I'm yeah. Just hoping, I'm just, I'm yeah. Try it you never know. So, um, what else have we got? And like it won't do you any harm. Like people yeah. Like go, yeah. What's yeah, the worst? I'll try if I'm a, I'm yeah. Because if it doesn't work, it doesn't harm. Yeah. 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 Hope's powerful, isn't it? Yeah. Um, did I ever tell you about being in the paper when we were on outreach in Norway? No. <laughs> So, oh, yeah. I think we might have done. So we went to Norway and um, we were doing healing on the streets and we really made a decision of we were just going to sit there. So they told us that people in Norway wouldn't speak to you on the streets. They're not that kind of people. They're reserved. They're quiet. Just street stuff isn't going to work. So, oh, well, Jesus works. Um, so we made, we purposely took a really laid-back approach to it of, like, we're just going to sit in one place. And we had, like, a guitar and we had a cojon thing sometimes so we'd make a bit of music for people and but we had this sign that we'd made in Norwegian and English and Norwegian's about this long that said free healing and like we just sat next to it we didn't approach anybody we just sat next to it or sometimes we'd literally just sit on a bench with it in between us and just sit there and wait and people would always come out like so like for the entire time we did it people would just keep coming up to us and then you know they'd see people getting prayed for or being getting healed and so somebody else would come up and so we did this for days of just working our way around this tiny little town of just sitting in places and taking turns of who sat there and just waiting and so this one day this reporter came and it was while I was away and he talked to somebody on the team sort of like I think what you're doing <coughs> is exposing people's weaknesses I don't like it and was really angry and so they, he said I want to write an article on it <laughs> so they said oh our leader's away she'll be back in a bit you can talk to her I didn't know that part of the story until afterwards <laughs> so then they come up and they're sort of oh Linda this man wants to talk to you he wants to write some, something about what we're doing so I just sat and talked to him for a while and there were some people there who had just been healed and, you know, so they told him their testimonies and he was writing it all down. And um, So he was writing for a paper that gets delivered every week to, like, everybody who lives in the town. I think it was, like, 10,000 people in this town. So everybody gets this newspaper and it was coming out in two days' time. So he wrote this... So he said, like, you'll... He took some pictures. He said, um, you'll read it in two days. I'm sort of like, OK. So, you know, we had no idea what this was actually going to say like we didn't know if it would be positive or negative anyway so it arrives and we we open it and obviously have to get translated and um his title was free healing gives love a face and it's on like page five half a page in this in this newspaper free healing gives love a face and a picture of us (laughs) stood next to our signs and um and it was phenomenal because for two reasons from then even when we didn't have our sign with us people would come up to us in the town and say we saw you in the paper we've been looking for you we've come purposely and it's like like how much like Jesus does that sound of actually like <laughs> you know, your reputation goes before you and it's like you know just and again you know I can't offhand think of most of the testimonies of that trip I know there were you know lots of joints and arthritis and I remember one time I was sat on a bench opposite this office block and um we were just sat there and somebody came out and she worked 
in this office block and she'd read it in the paper and she was sat there watching us and she was really cynical and she, I can't remember what but she came out and she was sort of like I just have to come and talk to you because I've been watching you all morning and I've read you in the paper and I don't believe it but again there was something in here and I can't remember what it was but I actually wanted prayer for something and did get healed and you know and but again I can't remember the actual individual stories of it all but like I love that whole do you know that the reputation of it actually went <laughs> ahead of us and then the sweetest part actually of that whole story is we kept bumping into that reporter he was only a young guy for the rest of the week because it was this small little town and um do you know he went from not believing to writing that article like he was a church goer nominally <coughs> but just couldn't understand the healing couldn't understand the faith aspect of it of why you'd go out and do this and went from being really reticent and angry about it to then starting to talk to some of our guys to eventually letting his girlfriend get prayed for and her knee was completely healed so on the last day was in the town purposely looking for us and found one of our guys and was sort of like I need to have coffee with you I need to know what it is what is it about you guys and so like Hendrik just got to sit and have coffee with him and just talk about actually do you know what does relationship with Jesus look like and actually the passions that's flowing from that rather than it being you know this is something we're doing because of this long list or because of xyz but just got to speak to him about actually this is just what relationship and what the overflow of it looks like um and so it's funny out of actually all of the things that week in norway like that's the one i remember um what else did i have on my list is there anything you want to know we've got like i don't know 10 minutes until ken arrives Go on. baffling from one story i actually wanted to tell you one of the funniest healings i ever saw when we went out on our destiny was and there's lots of them but like one we're in this meeting and i think we're in germany but i can't quite remember um and somebody again it was something to do with an arm and um 
one of the girls on our team had prayed for her and nothing happened. And she really just felt Jesus say, like, do round around the garden. So there's this little nursery rhyme <laughs> in England of round around the garden, like a teddy bear, one step, two step, and then you tickle the person. <laughs> and she just really felt that she was meant to do it. But it was like this really serious looking, like, older lady, like, just wasn't the time or the place, but she was just sort of like, Jesus has said. So she did. So it kind of been in Germany because it was faith. So it was either in Scotland or it was in Spain because they're the only two places I took her. Um, so anyway, so she did this thing with her and it was like one step, two step. And as she touched, like, as she got to, the, like, the one step, two, like, arm was completely healed. But she had to step out and do... And, and you know, there's no reason why. But, like, I love that of just... There's absolute dependence because when it is so baffling, there is no formula like it really is a case of okay what now what now and to be honest that's one thing I love about going on outreach of it gives you a need for dependence that you probably don't have in your life every day do you know we do but we just don't realise it because we find ways of just getting through without needing it but actually when you're wanting to step out and when you're actually doing that on purpose like it actually creates a dependence in you that actually just reinforces that relationship with him and you he's he's not speaking any more than he would do if I chose to live that way here. Mm. It's just that I'm actually choosing to listen yeah. and every other distraction's away, so actually like I'm kind of you know, I am listening more, I am interacting more. And, you know, I always get back from outreach of like how do I bring that me because I think in me that you see in those situations is a lot truer version of who I am than most of my days here. So how do I bring that back to life? And like, I'd love to challenge you of actually when you're away, how do you make sure that actually even the you that you, when you are on the streets or whatever you end up doing next week, like how do you incorporate that into normal life that actually, because one thing I hate is that it becomes outreach because it should just be life. And actually, I'm actually not concerned if people don't give Jesus the glory and don't mean... I shouldn't say on the right kind of thing. I do. Do you know, I am very keen that I make sure they know whose name you've prayed him or... But at the same time, I don't think it's always my job to get them to actually give their lives to Jesus. Like, it's... Do you know, and I have to question myself in that because I still think sometimes that's fear in me too. But actually... Do you know, if your job is just that moment right there... But um, sometimes you are actually just meant to give that moment. So, like, in all the stories that actually I had no idea what's to follow, I don't think I was meant to do more than we did. Like, sometimes it is just, okay, what now, what now, what now? And actually kind of just living it out as simplistic as that. Because it's one of these things that actually, for me, the... The further I go with Jesus, I think I've told you this last time, like, actually, the simpler it gets with me. And I was teaching my guys at work yesterday. It was, um, I had my first session with them after the new year and really wanted to speak to them about... Well, I mean, I was thinking, you know, most people start New Year, don't they? And they always do their messages on new... You know, if you're in the world, resolutions or it's a new word for the year, it's a new season, it's a new this. And it was just like... It, it started to frustrate me of, actually, why do we start our new year with new things? Why don't we start it with foundation like why don't you know why don't we start it with actually the thing that's absolutely solid that we you know and I'm not saying that we don't do this but um I am so I decided to talk to them and teach them on just 
there's only five times in the New Testament I found out when I was doing this that Jesus talks about before the foundations of the world or not just Jesus like two of them are in there later in the New Testament and so there's only five instances in the New (coughs) Testament where he talks about before the foundations of the world there's a few about like at the beginning of the ages but like of these five instances the only things that are really mentioned are love connection and purpose for us to be with him and it's like, I actually love that to be my grounding. Because actually that's what he wants to restore us to, doesn't it? Of just actually, before any of it existed, before we could do outreach, like, the love between themselves and the love they had for us was actually all that existed and all they wanted. And the everything that followed stems from that. And actually, if all you get to do next week... Actually, I'm going to even simplify it further than that. If all you get to do next week is know that more for yourself then actually it's worth it. If you get to encounter someone else and give them a glimpse of that, it's a bonus and it's worth it. And like, if it's literally for the one, it's worth it for the one. So, and I think I said this last time, like one of the easiest ways to love people is to see them. Like if you actually purposely live your life with your eyes open, you will see people. You know, we're too busy. And that's the other thing about being away is like, you're not so busy that you're having to get here, there and everywhere. But actually, if you get to live life, slow down and actually look at the people that you're coming into contact with, your heart will be stirred. He will talk. He will tell you what to do. He will give you, you know, ways to love them and ways that he wants to show who he is in their lives because you've been able to actually be slow enough to actually just see the person in front of you. Thank you for listening to the Destiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.